Good morning. It's Thursday, September 9th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. As we reflect this week on the 20 years since 9-11, here's one thing to think about. Military spending. Before the terror attacks, the U.S. had been cutting back for nearly a decade. 9-11 changed all that. The government's defense budget doubled in this time period from about 300-ish billion a year to about 700 billion. It dramatically increased as a percentage of GDP, going up to almost 5% at the peak of the wars, which was 2011. That's Byron Tao. He's a reporter for The Wall Street Journal. And he's out with an article that looks at how all this money changed the private sector and the way many Americans think about their own government. For the first time, the U.S. took a a huge role in, in vetting passengers and cargo. It started doing background checks and risk assessments on passengers. And in a lot of cases, it had to collect data about Americans in in limited cases. And many of those controversies have played out in the years since. Um, We're talking about the warrantless wiretapping program that was revealed under the Bush administration, a lot of the revelations by intelligence community contractor Edward Snowden. This surge in spending, it transformed the national security industry. Private sector companies went after lucrative contracts with the defense and homeland security departments. In order to fight the war on terror, contractors had to work on identifying so-called terrorist patterns. Government authorities also invested in drone technology to surveil small groups. Demand for logistics and security support increased even more with the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan. A lot of the money flowed to very traditional defense contractors like Lockheed Martin and others that do aerospace and and defense. And then there were also some specialty contractors, for example, CACI International or CACI. It was kind of a medium-sized government contractor around the time of the 9-11 attacks. Today, it's a a multi-billion dollar company. It's publicly traded. And much of that growth, in fact, nearly all of their exponential growth happened after the 9-11 attacks. The journal spoke to a longtime intelligence official about just how much has changed in such a short time. He said during the Cold War, the job was staring at one country, the Soviet Union. After 9-11, the targets got smaller and smaller, scattered in more places. Everything about watching them changed. And lots of companies cashed in. The families who lost loved ones in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, they're fighting a legal request by a gun manufacturer. Remington's lawyers are asking for school records of students and educators who were killed that day. The families say these documents are not relevant to their lawsuit against the now bankrupt company. The News Times of Connecticut has this story. This legal challenge is considered one of the highest profile lawsuits of its kind. The families claim Remington recklessly marketed the AR-15-style rifle that was used in the shooting. Its lawyers say the company made a legal weapon and that the gunman is responsible, not Remington. The trial is expected to begin this year or early next year. You can find this story or other local reporting in the Read Local feature on the Apple News app. Every Thursday, we highlight standout stories from local news outlets across the U.S.
If you're into politics and you follow it closely, you've probably logged some serious hours looking at 538's predictions, especially during election season. But this time of year, 538 is the destination for football fans who are trying to see the future. It's a lot easier to predict sports than it is uh, to predict things in politics. That's 538 senior writer Neil Payne. Tonight, the NFL season kicks off. Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks play the Dallas Cowboys. We asked Payne what 538's modeling says about what's ahead. So the top line takeaways are that the Super Bowl teams from last year, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, are still the favorites, which is, you know, maybe a little boring, but also not overly surprising. You know, both of those teams are really loaded with talent and they both have really great quarterbacks. It's all based on a system called ELO. It's named after a physicist who originally designed it to rate chess players. Payne explained how it works. So when two teams play each other, you can use the ELO ratings to get a probability of each team winning. And then uh, based on what happens in that game, the two teams actually kind of exchange points, so uh, rating points. So if a, if a team that's a heavy favorite loses, they actually give a lot of their rating points to the underdog that just beat them because the system is self-regulating. So it sort of updates itself after each result and, and does that for every game of the season. If you're interested in how 538 thinks your team's going to do, Just tap the notification we send midway through the show to check out the full story. Ever see somebody schmoozing with the leaves? Many gardeners like to talk to their plants. They think it might encourage them to grow. But what if that communication were a two-way street? Some scientists think plants might be able to hear you. They might even be trying to talk back. The BBC brings us this story, and just to be clear, there is a lot of skepticism about these claims in the scientific community. Back in 2012, a team of researchers reported lasers detected clicking sounds from plant roots. One researcher said these clicks are evidence that plants use sound to communicate. Others think that's a pretty big leap. More recent research suggests plants do appear to respond to sounds. One study found... When they hear bees buzzing, plants increase sugar in their nectar. Many scientists warn against comparing this plant behavior to the communication we see in the animal world. But it opens up bigger philosophical questions about what makes a living thing intelligent or not. One professor argues you can't say a plant is not intelligent. If a species exists, it's already proven itself smart enough to survive. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Hold up. 